welcome to another special installment on the Behold Her podcast feed, brought to you by Cantrip Candles, Friday Afternoon Tea, and Roll20. And if you enjoyed The Haunting of Good Society, welcome back to the Clooneyverse. This is Requiem for a Cluet, a tragic horror miniseries. Sister Harriet Cluet is a monster hunter seeking a cure for vampirism, but what she finds is a horror beyond her imagination. In this game of Ten Candles, no one will survive. Let's meet the players in our doomed tale. I'm Eugenio. You might know me as DM Jazzy Hands. You can find me on Twitter at, at DM Jazzy Hands, and I will be playing Harriet Cluett, the middle Cluett sister. I'm TK Johnson. You can find me at Twitter at TK Joins the Fray, or you can read my spooky stories at TKJWrites.com. I am playing Agnes Van Hop, a novice nun and exorcist who is excited for her first mission. I'm Friday Elliot, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram as both at Friday Tea and at Friday Elliot, as well as on Twitch and TikTok as at Friday Afternoon Tea. In Requiem for a Cluet, I play both Jules Bouchard and Jane the Virgin, two wildly different people with one thing in common. Each meets their fate in the catacombs. And I'm Lisa Penrose, your game master, playing them. You can find me pretty much everywhere at Lisa Penrose. There's no use stalling the inevitable. Let's begin part one. So when last we left off in the Clooneyverse, we were in Honeyfield. The year was 1814, and we were all reeling from the tragic and heroic events that happened at the house on the end of Claret Lane. After the death and unusual circumstances of that death of your childhood friend, Moira, the sisters Cluett parted ways. Henrietta, the eldest sister, went off to her honeymoon with Lieutenant Levi Lockhart. Edwina, the youngest sister, was off to Paris, France, to take care of some business in the spice trade. And then there was the middle sister, Harriet. Eugenio. What did Harriet do? Harriet kept a big, dark secret from her sisters because she felt that she needed to go and deal with it on her own. You see, Harriet was aware that during the battle with Moira back in Honeyfield, my youngest sister, Edwina, was injured by the vampire in such a way that she is at risk of becoming one of the blasphemous undead herself. Fortunately, it was a glancing laceration. So the transformation has taken some time. At least that's what Harriet assumes. And she has spent all of the time since desperately trying to do what everyone in her order says is and has always been impossible which is to find a cure for her sister. So you began what would be a year-long journey. Before you left on this journey, you wrote a letter to someone. To whom did you write, and what did you tell them? I 
had already written my sort of letter of resignation, as it were, to our aunt who ran the, the Abbey of the Weeping Rose where I had studied. So she knew what was going on, but there was another sort of spiritual advisor to Harriet who needed to hear from me before I, I went off on this last, what I think is the last leg of the journey. And that is Father Cyrus Lightholder my original spiritual mentor from Honeyfield. And the letter is more, not cryptic, but but lighter on details than either Father Cyrus or Harriet would like by necessity. And it simply said, my dear Father Cyrus, your help over the past year has been invaluable. When everyone else at every step along the way, gave me nothing but hopelessness. You provided hope. I thank you and I apologize for my thanks will be small indeed compared to your contribution to my life and my sister's well-being. I must leave for a time I think I have finally found what we have worked so hard to discover. If I return, I look forward to seeing you back at home. The Cluett sisters reunited in vespers around your altar. If I do not, I pray that your devotion to me passes on to my sisters. I have done my best to protect them from what I could control for many years. If I can no longer provide that protection, I look to you, Father Cyrus. In love, light, and solidarity in the one true God, Harriet Cluett. And as you fold that letter and slip it into its envelope, you were melting some wax to seal the envelope with the Cluett seal. What does this Cluett's family seal look like? Mm. It's been modified over the years. Originally, it was a pretty simple standard uh, with a you know lion rampant on a on a red field. But over the years, things have been added and modified slightly. So now there is a depiction of the chapel in Honeyfield, where so many generations of Cluets were wed and birthed and and christened, and and so that is in the back of the coat of arms. Is sort of this. Well, in retrospect, maybe a little creepy sort of castle looking manor in the back. I don't want to design the whole thing. Can I ask my, my, oh, can I, well, can I ask my sisters who are not here with me, but if they yeah. want, if they have anything to add to Absolutely. it. Absolutely. If Edwina were here, what do they, what would she yeah, want there to you go. seal? Edwina is so about the swords, the crossed heirloom family. How could you here? forget that part, Harriet? <laughs> it was very important. And I think in every rendition of the seal, what Henrietta would have remembered of it is that there is a um, a keyhole uh, depicted mm. somewhere, sometimes on the lion's chest, sometimes between the swords. Um, as you've said, it's changed over the years, but a keyhole is always there. I like it. Thank um, you for indulging me in that. I just felt bad designing our whole family's crest. Yeah, no, valid, <laughs> valid. Sister Agnes... You joined Harriet pretty early on in this journey. How did you join and what were your last words to someone, um, perhaps in a letter, perhaps spoken to them before you left on this expedition? 
Oh, I was assigned to Sister Harriet. Um, who assigned you? Oh, uh, the Mother Superior. Of what convent? The Weeping Rose. What it's only reasonable that if we go on some sort of mission like this, that a proper church representative be present. Mm -hmm. What were your words when you were brought into the Mother Superior's office and told what your mission would be? Audible or inaudible? <laughs> Both. Well, inaudible, a lot of screaming. But I am very honored to be on this mission. A sister of a few words, but much internal screaming. Yes. Lovely. And late in this expedition, right before the group enters the catacombs underneath Paris, they met up with an expert to lead them on the way. Jules Bashar, how did you join this party and what were your last words before you left on this journey? Well, being well experienced in uh, archeological expeditions and uh, having a, a map of the catacombs given to me by a former colleague, possibly against his will, who can say, I feel uniquely qualified to lead these delicate ladies, these souls uh, down into the dangerous catacombs. Um, it'll, be, it'll be good for them to have, a, to have a strong man who knows the way and who knows his way around a, a rifle down there to protect them. The catacombs can be very dangerous. Um, we wouldn't leave the sisters to their own devices. Plus I've been promised by myself a treasure. Uh, it's my understanding that there is a treasure down in these catacombs. I believe I can find the way to it. Uh, and with this treasure in hand, I can finally, finally be worthy of my childhood sweetheart, Estelle, to whom I have written a letter before departing on this dangerous mission. Uh, my letter to Estelle from Jules, her childhood sweetheart, her love of her life, says, Cher, I undertake a dangerous descent to secure a fortune that will finally make me worthy of you. I'll return with love always, Jules. How lucky we all are to have you, Jules. Now that we know all of the characters in play, and why they have joined Harriet on this mission to save Edwina or acquire riches of their own. We pick up at the end of this expedition. The three of you have been traveling underneath the catacombs, underneath Paris, the parts of the catacombs that are known through secret passages, on a boat through an underground river, down and down and down into these depths. You've rested knowing that if Harriet's research is correct, you should be coming on a tomb that holds the secret information that you need on your next journey. Agnes, Jules, you are resting. Harriet, you are on watch your last watch until you finally found what you need. It's May, 1815. You don't like to think about what this day means, but you are thinking about it because it's been exactly one year. The anniversary of the day, Edwina, your little sister was bitten by a vampire. It's curse coursing through her veins since then. You couldn't save her then but there might be something you can do now. 
you all have made camp. You're probably sitting in the dark, some unlit torches by your side. What's going through your mind and what do you do? I can't let myself focus on the very last step, actually acquiring the thing. But this close, that's hard to avoid. So I think it's just endless repetition to the point of, of you know, rote, uh, alternating between prayers of preparation, checking checklists, making sure that every, you know, that the gear is secure, that everything is ready, and just quietly sort of pacing, keeping watch, murmuring prayers, anything to keep myself distracted from hoping a little too much. It's been a long year. It's difficult for you to tell in the darkness of the tunnel, but according to your pocket watch, the sun should be rising now. It's the beginning of a new day. I know that the plan was to rise early, whatever, I mean, based on the pocket watch, clearly not the sun, and go on. But from what we could tell, probably won't need a full full day's journey and whatever is there is unlikely to be simple and straightforward. So I take a deep breath and wait an extra five minutes before waking the rest of the group. And at that point, I give myself those five minutes to imagine finding this cure and delivering it to my sister who <laughs> And then that sort of manages to distract me again. Oh, well, she doesn't know. Well, she probably does know by now, but if she doesn't, I'll have to sneak it to her. I wouldn't want her worrying. Just those sorts of things. Again, distracted off. And then at the end of the five minutes past, you know, what I decided was sunrise, I will uh, gently wake the rest of the party and get ready. Jules, Sister Agnes, Harriet wakes you. This is the last part of your journey. How do you prepare for the day? The large manly stretch to begin with and a readjusting of the gun belt slung low around my hips and uh, a glance as always down uh, the leftmost of all possible routes from where we currently sit. Just kind of checking the surroundings. Sister Agnes. I like to think that Agnes has actually been awake for maybe five or 10 minutes and has been just like sort of patiently waiting for Sister Harriet to indicate that it's okay to get up now. Agnes begins as she always begins, obviously with a round of prayers. She fasted last night because she had a very good feeling about today. Now she does have her entire, like her wool habit. She'll put on a, her little wimple and a, and a tiny fillet around the forehead but she's a novice she's not a full nun so she doesn't have like the entire rest of the wimple to go with it so it's just the the wimple part and not the rest of the black veil she also has like a small a flower shaped veil pin that she like slides into her fillet and she will grab her ceremonial saber and her pack and be ready to go then she'll just like sort of a uh, nervous energy wait for the rest of them to be ready that is how Sister Agnes has gotten ready every morning on the leg, every leg of this journey. Every morning. 
every morning, but you go and you reach for that flower pen uh, exactly where you leave it right next to like the bundle you use as a pillow and it's not there. Hmm. It seems to be missing. This is incorrect. If I, if I glance around, do I, and, and like use my hands to like sort of feel around, do I feel anything nearby that could possibly be that pen? You maybe find some stray stones, many skulls for the walls of this catacomb are built of skulls and bones piled on top of each other from floor to ceiling. Although the ceiling is quite low, uh, where you are, the ceiling is maybe, goodness, eight feet, nine at most. I immediately glare at Jules. Jules didn't get this far in life by not being a quick study with the ladies and uh, knows very well when he's being glared at for something that he did not do. So uh, I stroke the little swarthy growth of beard that's accumulated over the course of this journey. Sister? I would very much appreciate the return of my pin, please. That is my personal property. I'm sure we'd all appreciate the return of your pin if it would make you happy, but I can't say that I know what you're talking about. I imagine that Agnes and Jewel have had several like disagreements along the course of the journey. And in the beginning, Agnes would immediately turn to Harriet for mediation, but instead sort of like wipes the palms of her hands on her, on her dress. And please be sure that it is returned to the rest of my things by this evening. That is all. You got it. Jules is easily a foot and a couple inches taller than Sister Agnes. For sure. Frankly thinks she's pretty adorable, but also frustrating. And he doesn't know what to make of her. Uh, And when she gets gets upset with him, he kind of thinks it's a little, her little tiffs. He's pretty dismissive of it, um, to be real. Uh, So, mm. (laughs) yeah. She's a real chicken hawk. <laughs> what is Harriet doing as these two get ready and argue a bit? I imagine there's been a lot of little little arguments along the way. Yeah, I think Harriet gave them that extra time and then didn't want to immediately be upset with them. So I think I walked away a little ways to let them have their morning ritual, both individually and between themselves. So just scouted forward a little bit, not really any further than we had gone before setting up camp. Brave though she may be, she is not foolish. And, you know, she hears it from the back and just sort of sighs and and says says a prayer of patience. And then as they seem to be winding down, returns back to the camp. In the glow of your torch uh, that I imagine you eventually light uh, to guide your way, you see those bone and skull lined tunnels stretching before you. Sometimes the piles of skulls that make up the walls are broken up by garlands of, of other bones just to mix it up a little bit. But as you journey, you almost become numb to the almost horrific sight of of these catacomb walls. And eventually you reach the point where you've been counting your steps, uh, following exactly the research that got you here. And you reach an alcove inset with different ledges of skulls piled up. In the middle of the hall here is a basin that is filled and actually overflowing with water. There's water dripping down into the basin. 
your research tells you that there is an entrance to a chamber here, but you mm. do not immediately see one. What do you do? Jules, Sister Agnes, as before, we stay with an eyesight, sweep the perimeter of the room, objections. Gun is out and at the ready. I'm at your service, sister. This is a reasonable strategy. I agree. Excellent. God be with you. And Keep your crucifixes close. And also with you, sister. So Jules is guarding with a gun. What are Harriet and Agnes doing precisely? Harriet's, Harriet reaches to grab, as she says, keep your crucifixes close. She reaches for her rosary. And as she sort of grazes it, because it's always, it's always on her belt where it always has been and always will be. But as she touches it, she sort of pulls her hand back and instead reaches for just a, a little necklace, like a, a little, um, what do you call it? Like twine necklace with a, mm -hmm. a wooden crucifix. Uh, and and just sort of fingers that for a minute while she while she prays and then heads. Yeah. And Sister Agnes? Agnes is sort of ceremonial and does not leave the scabbard. It is actually fixed to it. And so it is a saber, but it's not a basket hilt saber. It does have a cross guard on it. And the cross guard is in fact Jesus upon the cross. So that is Agnes's crucifix. All right. Harriet, as you hold this crucifix, you notice that in this alcove, there is a wooden cross that is lying against the bottom tier of skulls, hidden in the shadows. But now that the torchlight has shifted, you see that at the base of that wooden cross is a skeletal hand, fingers bent except for one pointing towards the basin. And as you peer into it, you see at the bottom of this basin is a cup. Sister, Jules, if you would. What have you found? I think the next step of our journey requires us to empty this basin, perhaps to drink from it. Test of faith, perhaps, fortitude. Very well, my arms are longer than either of yours. I'm sure I can reach. If you would. One moment, and I will reach down and take not not the Bible juice flask, a small <laughs> vial. <laughs> that's that's for serious situations. We ain't there yet. No, a, a smaller vial uh, of of holy water, and just sort of shake a few drops into the basin. If something happens, great. But also, if it doesn't, I'll just say a prayer. <laughs> The water uh, drips into it, a little trickle of water over the edge of the basin as it's already completely full. Aside from that, nothing seems to happen. Okay, uh, I'll gesture for Jules to go ahead. All right, Jules, and you said that there was, the cup was at the bottom of the? At the bottom of the basin. It's not yeah. so deep. I feel like if your arm fully in the basin, you should be able to reach it easily. Excellent, so Jules will go ahead and roll up his, uh, his button down sleeves, roll them up and reach his arm all the way deep down, grab the cup. I'd like to note that his shirt strains around his bicep and is a little bit translucent from the water in the basin. <laughs> grab the cup from the bottom, pull it back out, water dripping down his sinewy tanned arm as he holds this goblet and takes a big drink from it. Right? Big drink. <laughs> as you drink, things. the water- Reckless and disgusting. The water tastes crisp and fresh. Mm. And then it gets sort of like a salty 
taste and then coppery. And those of you looking at Jules as he chugs this uh, goblet of water sees that it has turned to a red liquid that starts to drip down his chin and down his shirt. The basin starts to gush and overflow this red liquid and it seeps into the cracks of the ground mm. toward this alcove. A slap of- cup out of sand. <laughs> You do so, and it clatters. I kind of want to make a challenge roll right now. Let's see. Jules, make me a challenge or a conflict roll. So your pool of dice is 10. You need to roll 10d6. And let me know how many of those land on a one and how many of those land on a six. You got it. I would also like to note that uh, as he's drinking and the, the red liquid is running down his face, it's uh, it's further translucenting his uh, tight white button down and running through his little stubble of a couple days of man beard growth over his chiseled jaw. I'm just gonna leave you with that while I roll real quick. Too handsome to die, please. (laughs) The effect it has on me and the effect it has on Harriet Cluett are so opposite. Oh, very much. (laughs) I'm like, oh, this is nice. And Agnes is like, hmm, (laughs) Disgusting. Jules thinks nothing of it. Well. So yeah, that's uh, three sixes, but I did roll a one in there. All right. So the dice pool is going to become a nine, but you do succeed because you got at least one six. So it's gross, but Jules kind of gulps it down until Sister Agnes swats the cup out of your hand. And as it clatters, the ground and this tunnel seems to shake a bit as some of the bones start to fold and turn and clatter onto the ground. And the alcove has opened itself up into an open doorway. You're all standing right outside the open doorway. What do you do? Wipe the red liquid from my full lips, ladies, shall we? Take the lead with my my gun and my red liquid covered translucent shirt. Decide to poke in there. Oh, Agnes crosses herself like three times, like, and then like side eyes Harriet. Harriet just takes a very neutral face, takes a deep breath, makes eye contact with Sister Agnes. Just holds it for a second, nods, and then gestures. <laughs> Jules, you put, did you offer ladies and stand to the side or ladies and then you walked in first? <laughs> ladies. Like, I'm walking in first. I'm checking in. <laughs> I've got my right, uh, ladies, and like got my rifle out. That was an indication that they could follow me, but that I'm taking point. All right. Jules, this is the price we wa- pay for worldliness. You know, I've heard this referred to as cannon fought. No, she doesn't say that. Uh, (laughs) Being gentlemanly. Jules walks in first, and as the clattering bones behind you grow silent, Jules is the first to see that this medium-sized chamber is similarly lined with skulls from floor to low ceiling. But there's something different about these skulls. Some of them are odd shapes. Some of them, the teeth look wrong. There are pillars that have little shelves that skulls are stacked onto as well. There's four pillars in this room. There is a stone dais in the middle and there are three box tombs on the far side of the room, one of which is open with something draping outside of it. 
what shape of a something is draping outside of it. As you kind of walk around the pillars to get a better look, what you see inside of the box tomb is shadows, emptiness, but something humanoid shaped is kind of lying half inside of the box, half out. Are any of the teeth in the weird wrong skulls gold? Anything shiny in this room? Perchance. Yeah. Make me another conflict roll to, oh, as you try Bashar. to investigate this room. <laughs> Monsieur Bashar. Go Oh, this time you roll nine dice. Oh, I sure did. And um, one of them was a one again. So, okay. so uh, go down to an eight. I mean, <laughs> so many languages. Did you get a six? Um, I got one. I got one okay. six. That yes. means that you succeed. You just need one six to succeed. Yes, I um, as you are examining the walls, you notice a few things as you're going through there. Like this one, the skull, it looks humanoid, but where the mouth and nose should be, the skull is sort of stretched out. The next skull you see is like really large with these humongous teeth. They're humanoid teeth, but they're just really big. It's strange. Um, and then the next one has these particularly pointy canines. That's weird, but what's cool is that they're shiny. Golden canines. Hmm. Lovely. Well, I certainly think that Jules would have a, a set of pliers in case of any gold stuck in the walls of things, um, being an accomplished archaeologist. So I imagine Jules will take pliers out of uh, part of his, uh, his little low-slung tool belt. There's no room for him in his pants. They're too tight. And start to try to yank these uh, gold teeth right out of the skull. Absolutely. You are able to yank the teeth out of the skull, but the whole skull pops out of the wall and all the skulls above it start to clatter and fit into place until there's silence again, a pause. The wall hasn't fully collapsed, just shifted. And Harriet and Sister Agnes, have you entered the room? Oh yeah. <sighs> I would have offered Sister Agnes to go in after Mr. Bashar uh, to be in, in the middle. I don't know if Sister Agnes would oblige. Agnes prefers to bring up the end, but will accept going in the middle. And uh, us. And I like to think that I'm actually acting as Sister Harriet's bodyguard. It's my rightful place, so. Oh, I like that. Uh, wait, is your rightful place second or third in line then? It doesn't matter, as long as oh, I'm as protecting as you. I think that has been another thing that's been going on. So actually at this point, Harriet has been worn down and Sister Agnes can bring up the rear like she likes. But yeah, we, uh, then I would have gone in directly after Just a after very Jules. polite, silent standoff. <laughs> Harriet would have given in on this one just because we're so close and everything else matters a little less to her. <laughs> just a little though, it was still hard. So I would have gone in right after Jules and... Oh, Mr. Bashar. So seeing that he has been distracted by Shiny again, I guess I will take a look at some other things in the room, but I don't want to interrupt if something was about to happen. Oh, we'll return to Jewel in a moment. Oh, good. But what is Harriet doing as Jewel like wrestles with this tooth? Taking a deep breath and remembering that once or twice so far, he has in fact proven useful. 
So I will go over to, you said there was a, a, a dais or an altar in the center of the room? There was, in the center of these four pillars. So yeah, I will go have a look at that first before I head over to the tombs. Absolutely. You walk over to this dais and there are a couple things that you notice. The skulls on these pillars as you approach also seem strange. The eyes on one skull, the eye sockets, are impossibly large for the size skull that it is. Um, You would think that it's some sort of animal skull, except that it definitely looks like a human just with giant eyes. Another skull is human again, but again with these large fang-like teeth on it. And you remember as part of your research that you were told that deep, deep underneath these Paris catacombs were the tombs, uh, the a hidden crypt of the first monsters. You learned this after digging through quite a bit of your family history. Uh, you know that you're not the first monster hunter in the Cluet line, and this knowledge was buried deep. Uh, quite literally. The other thing that you notice is that there are ropes, bindings that have been kind of tossed aside next to the dais. Do they look to have been loosed or broken? They look as if they've been broken. Yeah. Seeing that, I will call Mr. Bashar, if you please. At your service, sister. What have we found? We are... Likely not alone here. And I'll show Jules the uh, the broken ropes. Sister Agnes, would you, keeping an eyesight, would you take a look around while Mr. Bashar and I examine this altar here? She'll do exactly that. And Agnes uses the ceremonial sword as a parry and then draws like a shorter sword, like a silver hilt dagger with a pearl set in it. And there is a, uh, there's like a rose on the end of it. The pearl is in it. And then there's like a, a, like a red garnet as a tear that comes out of it. And so it's walking around with this sort of crucifix parry and and a short sword, nudging pillars and looking very, very serious about this job. Do I get to roll anything and see? <laughs> um, or so you do you, you want to like investigate yeah, around the room? Okay, cool. Roll me a conflict roll to investigate, and you are rolling in a pool of eight d six. Eight d six. Okay. Okay, I got two sixes and a single one. Whoops. So the pool of dice reduces to seven. But you do succeed. Um, So this is what you notice. As Harriet and Jules circle this dais and examine it closer, you feel drawn to the three tombs in this room. There is carved into the stone some old French. Would Sister Agnes have studied old French? I don't know if Sister... Mm. No, I don't think that Agnes would have studied anything like that. Agnes is young, but very single-minded. And so if it is not something that is specifically meant to give them, give her an advantage in battle, then it is not something that she would have studied. She indicates it in her mind and will ask Harriet about it. 
Okay. Well, the words you see written there then would be Société de Toisson, which I suppose Agnes might read as Société de Troisang, written on the wall there. The tombs each are engraved with an image. One is engraved with the image of a candle. One is engraved with the image of a lion with a keyhole on it. And the other is an image of a droplet and a droplet inside of a sun. That is the one that is open. What you see is an extremely desiccated, dried corpse. Did Agnes read this aloud? I think that if Agnes thinks there's somebody in there that they're ne- they need to be looking for, they will reserve all speech for face-to-face communication, but they will examine the the tomb that you said was open. Does it look like it was pushed open by a person or does is it broken? It looks like it was pushed open. The stone tablet on top with that sun and a droplet mm-hmm. engraved on it is kind of like leaning against the stone box. And as Sister Agnes approaches to peer inside, she would see that it is empty save for some disturbed dust. Oh, I hate um, that. And mm-hmm. the corpse is, well, it is unmoving. And well, Why uh, would you specify that? I don't know. Because <laughs> no. maybe you were wondering. Oh, no, I, no. I feel like Sister Agnes would make note of that. Okay, yeah, training. you're right. You know what? You're right. You're right. Corpse, uh, comma, okay, unmoving. We'll also remember this. Is this what it's like? I don't like this. Unmoving is great because all you have to do is cross out moving and write dead when it starts moving. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I feel like with Sister Agnes's training, you would also note that it looks as if it has had all of the blood drained from it. Because it was properly embalmed. Exsanguinated. Agnes will give a low whistle to Harriet. Sister Agnes may be young, but she is obviously capable. So that whistle would immediately get my attention, uh, assuming there was nothing more pressing than mm-hmm. Mr. Bashar and I had found. Besides his increasingly translucent red shirt. It's an increasing reason for me to go pay attention to you instead. <laughs> yes, seek the grace of God. <laughs> In these pecs. <laughs> oh, need some of that babble juice. I'm sorry. It's- the little Nas X just keeps playing in my head. <laughs> so Harriet and Jules, you, as Agnes calls you over, you join and you see the same things. Jules, you, I imagine, would understand French uh, or old French. Um, and so you would be able to translate the words to them as the society of three blood. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you have two undisturbed, seemingly undisturbed tombs there. Will you remind me of the icons on the other two unopened slabs? The one in the center is a lion on its hind legs, a keyhole on its chest. And the one all the way to the left of where you are standing has a candle engraved on it. As soon as Harriet sees the middle one was the lion? Yes. As soon as she sees that, she probably lets out a little bit of an of a involuntary gasp because I guess intellectually she was sort of expecting it, but to see it here in real life is a lot. And then she will just point and say, um, 
Mr. Bashar, that one, if you don't mind. To open? Yes, sir. That is why you are here, isn't it? To discover treasure and glory? Uh, in, a, in a tomb, absolutely. That is why I'm here. I, as, as you wish, sister. And he'll strain his muscles to move. This, he's got to plant a back foot so the butt really pops in these tight packs. Gets out his, his weightlifting belt. Yeah, the stuff, his back muscles straining visibly through his translucent white shirt, uh, shoves this shoves this stone door to the side. All right, if you as want you to edit for your push. next romance novel, just let me know. Truly, though. <laughs> truly. Test reader. As you strain to push open this tomb, make me another conflict roll. Yeah. Uh, with seven dice this time. Jesus, Friday? <laughs> well... Uh, this is what Jules is for. This is why he is here. Okay. Uh, sure, yeah, that's what I call into, it. Agnes oh. leans into Harriet and says, something so, that other okay. Well, I did I did technically get three sixes. However, I did also get three ones. <gasps> okay. So the dice pool goes down to four. But can I do I have to make a choice to burn one of these suckers before I roll? Oh no, after you can use it, yes. Excellent. I think we're going to burn Jules' vice uh, of overconfidence. So with your vice, you can re-roll all of the ones that you got. Okay, well now only one of them is a one and another oh, one is a better. six, so, so. Fantastic, so the dice pool only goes down to six. Excellent. Um, but your vice, you can just rip Blessings. that card or I actually don't light that card on fire. I don't want you to- <laughs> I really want to buy fire <laughs> during a stream. Yeah. yeah. Can you imagine? Just do that and then put it aside. I actually forgot. When you succeed, you get narrative control over your success. So you can describe to me oh. what it looks like. And please describe to me what it looks oh. like as Jules opens the tube. Absolutely. Just like flexes his pecs really hard. Yeah, for sure he's doing that. Um, but also, what are these ones? Are these delts back here? <laughs> no, are those those? Which ones are the ones underneath your shoulder plates? I have no, I would not. Uh, all that. I know is traps. I'm so sorry. Are you oh, going for lats? Is that, that's but that's lats, more on the side. I agree is that we're talking lats. Okay. 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 Lats I should look chat. at the chat. You're welcome, right. everyone. Here we are. So Thanks, as Dustin. Jewel, as Jewel goes to, goes to push this, uh, the stone door away from the tube, his, uh, his back foot and his shiny leather, uh, well-worn adventurer's boots kind of digs into the dirt, uh, kicking off a little bit of dust, some of which clings to the the sweat soaking his lower back through the the tight white button-down shirt his butt flexing as he pushes this door aside quads fully engaged lats for the chat here flexing as well um you can barely see through jules uh shirt in the upper back a tattoo of a serpent a cobra just visible uh, through the through the sweat and uh, red liquid stained shirt, and he pushes with a grinding noise um, the rock, not jewel, uh, the door aside. Slowly, slowly, a little bit of sweat coming down the brow and down uh, just off of the cheekbone onto his neck mm, to the side. Then steps aside, rolls his shoulders back, and indicates to Harriet, sister. As you push the tablet off of the top of this box tomb, it clatters to the ground and you all see inside a rusted, faded, red 
dress or gown, rather, bands of tarnished gold where arms would be and uh, where the chest would be, a necklace. And as you're watching, it's almost as if the dress sort of inflates with this shadowy figure. And for the splittest of moments, Harriet, you see yourself. It's actually a sensation as a twin that you're probably used to. But Henrietta is not here. And as that one split second goes by, you see the slightest of differences between yourself and the figure lying in that tomb. But that's all the time you have because the torches go out. You hear a loud crack coming from behind you, Jules. A loud stone crack. And you all feel a tremendous breeze swirling around the darkness. What do you do? I think I would immediately grab the Bible juice flask, the big one, in one hand, and try to get a torch in the other to hold for someone else to light. Mm -hmm. So yeah, Jules got a a light for that torch for sure. We'll touch his torch to hers and... uh... Yeah, and stand at the ready with the rifle, very Um, aware. Just to clarify, every torch blew out. Oh, never mind. Well, then, yes, Yes. good point. Well, then, uh, Jules will just stand alert with the rifle attuned to the noises surrounding and ready to spring into action. Right, and what is Sister Agnes doing? Agnes, like, hisses sort of a triangle formation and, like, gets into an A-frame with the parry and an A-frame meaning for anybody in the chat who doesn't know, basically it's a defensive position, not too terribly dissimilar from a boxer stance, but parry up over the face, sword in front of the parry, and um, like kind of hunches down a little bit, is ready. Sister Agnes prepares for an attack while Harriet and Jules are stumbling to try to get these torches lit once more. Who is actually trying to use a lighter or a match or actually trying to light the torch? It can only be one of you. Actually think after after that initial moment of sort of panic, Harriet will realize that it is probably wiser to let Jules's hands be free for his weapons until we know what it is. So I will replace the flask and go ahead and be the one to try and light. Okay. You hear in the darkness, Harriet, uh, fumbling, stumbling, fumbling through her things, trying to light this torch, get some light so you can see what is going on. Roll me a conflict roll, Eugenio. 66. Don't ruin our lives, Eugenio. We are consistent. If nothing else, it's one six and one one. If one of you doesn't learn to lie... I can't believe this. You are the worst. <laughs> what does it look like Harriet succeeds? So there's, like you said, there's a lot of fumbling. There's a lot of this and that. I actually think the, uh, I think the the flask of holy water actually sort of clatters to the ground, still capped, so it doesn't yes. spill, but it clatters to the ground. But finally, Jules is trying to get his weapons. I'm trying to put mine away and we're doing, and finally I just yank the torch out of Jules's hand, turn around, cover, do it myself, say a prayer of thanks, and turn back around, hopefully to see Jules armed. 
you turn and you see your companions both armed, but you also hear a rumbling, clattering sound behind you. As you turn around quickly, you drop your lighter. So both the Bible juice and the lighter are on the ground in the darkness somewhere. And you see the entrance to this crypt that you found is starting to crumble. You see bones in the alcove outside and the basin outside starting to churn and break. It's seems that there's a a cave-in of some sort uh, happening. You don't see any evidence of the figure you saw in that other crypt, just that that uh, tomb is open and the tomb next to it with the candle engraved on it has cracked open as well. So the room is starting to cave in around you. What do you do? So the door is closing and collapsing. Yes. That will that would allow us to backtrack and get out safely. Correct. Great. I think Jules gonna take a power slide at the door to try to hold it open. Absolutely. On his Jules. knees, just mm, through the dust, oh, under the falling bones. Your arm holding the bones open Absolutely. up as they try to crash around you. Yeah, definitely. We got ripped shirt now. <sighs> roll me a conflict roll. Five D6. Oh God, we are down to five. (laughs) Okay. No ones, but yes, six. All right. All right. What did I say? Lie. Sorry. (laughs) What does it look like, Jules, this moment? Yeah, so Jules goes, takes takes a run with the rifle crossed on his chest on his knees through the dust and the bones that are falling underneath the the falling doorway and tries to hold it up with his with his brawny uh biceps flexing his shirt tears open in the chest and he's just surrounded by rubble it gets all in his hair and in his beard and everything uh he looks a mess down on his knees holding it open sisters (laughs) harriet agnes what do you do Run for the door. Yeah, I'm clearly uh, going does. to run. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, you Agnes is now also sassing them. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm oh, I know run. Harriet has dropped both oh, a does. lighter and her Bible juice, so I didn't know if she wanted to stop to pick those up. Will you die for that Bible juice? Uh, the does. Bible, you know what? I would because I would stop for the Bible juice for sure. And as I was down there, if the lighter was nearby and, and easily accessible, I would grab that as well. If you want to try to grab both, I would allow it for a conflict roll. I'll do it. Let's yes. do it. <laughs> I don't deserve this. Let's do it. Oh, one of them fell off. Uh, again. It, it was, well, it was a six this time when it finally landed on the table. So again, a one and a six. I ask for so little. You are able to sweep up the Bible juice and the lighter as you run for the door. You're able to get through and Jules, the door frame is caving around you. You actually see that the tunnels nearest this hidden crypt are also caving in. So what does Jules do? Well, have the sisters made it through safely? Yes. Great. If it looks like the sisters are going to be so all all doors everywhere are closing. The tunnel uh, that you had come down to get to this point mm-hmm. is starting to collapse. Oh crap! I can't do anything about that. Okay, in that case, I suppose I'll I'll 
try to sweep the sisters up in my strong arms and 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 cover them just until all the rubble stops falling i know i see your face it is what it is okay it's gross <laughs> the jewel wood okay so just uh try to try i'm jewel will at least attempt to to sweep the sisters up and cover them bodily from any falling rubble until everything stops Jules is kind of smother saving you. Harriet and Agnes, do you accept this? Yeah, I guess I'll hide under the Old Spice model. I mean, yeah, I guess if there's rocks coming down around us, it's better than the alternative. I'm sorry if, if my skin touches you a little. My shirt got all ripped. I would like a conflict roll from Jules just to see how this <laughs> moment plays out. Uh-huh. Are we at four? We're at four D6. Four. Jesus. Well, I'd like to burn my virtue. <gasps> Absolutely. Oh. You get to re-roll ones with your virtue. And Excellent. what is your virtue? Uh, this virtue is experienced. All right. Oh. Jules is experienced. And he's using his experience with dangerous uh, cave situations to uh to hear the sound of everything falling and understand the way that these things typically go and that there may be rubble for quite a while and make the call to to protect the the women until uh you know with his big manly body so yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna re-roll the one that just happened here Mm, beautiful great so no ones um but i do have a six fantastic all right so you can rip up jewel's virtue no virtue for jewel for jewel All right. So with that, you all kind of hunker down in this alcove, Jules protecting you with his glorious body. As this is happening, you see skulls and bones and rock falling all around you. And it's difficult through all of that to really tell what you are seeing. But Fleeing down the tunnel, you think you see a ghost, maybe? It's this like white sort of figure running away. You hear, you think footsteps, but again, it's difficult with everything that is happening around you. And the next thing you know, the tunnels have stopped shaking. The bones have settled, but it's not the neat rose of skulls and, I don't know, femurs uh, stacked up nicely. Cracked bones, fragments of bone are scattered before you. The tunnel that you had come down is blocked off by the rubble, uh, but there is another tunnel that stretches forward in front of you. The room that you were just in also is blocked off by rubble. Nothing forward nothing for it but to press forward you move forward and though you've lit your torch there's something different about the quality of life it almost feels like the torch is perpetually being smothered like it's just about to go out and you all move slower for it not wanting your last guiding light to disappear and you can't shake the feeling that you're being watched Mm. behind you you hear the footsteps 
of, or actually probably in front of you, you hear the footsteps of Jules behind you, the footsteps of Sister Agnes, your own footsteps, of course. But then a fourth set. I'm going to continue walking, but turn over my shoulder to Sister Agnes and just, this is gonna be great for the podcast version, so I will describe it as well. Uh, I'll put my finger uh, in front of my mouth as if to say shh, and then sort of tap my earlobe and point around to see if Sister Agnes hears it as well. Sister Agnes clocks it immediately and starts walking slowly back to back with Harriet, like eyes kind of scanning. So now that we're back to back and I'm back facing uh, Jules, I will tap him on the shoulder, but then immediately sort of place the palm of my hand on the back of his shoulder and like just press forward lightly as if to keep him moving and just whisper very, very quietly, footsteps. Jewel will give just a little small nod of the head and kind of a little shoulder roll to indicate uh, non-verbally to Sister Harriet's palm on his back that he understands and that he's alert. Yo, Harriet, what do those traps feel like? God, they're so good, but I have to take my hand away now. <laughs> it isn't Pray right. on it. It isn't right, sister. Pray on it. Take that to the altar. So Agnes, you are walking sort of backwards, your back against Harriet. Yeah, it's correct? like very, very like slow, measured walking backwards to like keep an eye on whatever might be behind them. Okay. Roll me Don't be mean a... Conflict rule. I was never made. And I see you every time. Okay, I got one six zero ones. The extra set of footsteps stops for a while as you move in this formation. And then you start to hear them again. Oh, they're almost like shuffling feet. But Agnes, you don't see anything at first. And then the torchlight flickering in its way, you start to realize that what you thought were shadows of maybe Harriet or Jules or, or yourself or maybe some of the rubble, it looks like the shadow of another figure, except you don't see the figure there. But there's definitely a shadow of somebody and that shadow is following you. As that shadow's legs move, you hear that soft shuffle. I'm sorry, TK, do you not like that? I don't deserve this. <laughs> I've only been nice ever. You do. No, I don't like this. It's spooky. I'm a weenie. Okay, Agnes will pay attention to that. Agnes is so much bravier than I am. Uh, Agnes will pay attention to that, but not say anything. She doesn't say anything, and you all continue forward. And then, Sister Agnes, you notice a second shadow has joined. All right, come on. And then a third. Now Agnes is like, does like sort of reach behind her and like tap the elbow into Harriet and uh, goes like three. Yeah, so I'll turn also and sort of start doing the same thing that that Sister Agnes is doing, walking backwards in that measured lockstep to see where she's looking. Where Agnes points, you don't see three figures. Okay, this is rude. No. Because 
the torchlight seems to abruptly stop okay. at an edge. There is a wall of shadow approaching you. And as you pause there, stopped because Agnes has stopped you, it starts to move forward faster, a little bit faster. Oh, come on. What are you all doing? It's approaching. Running, Mr. Bashar, <laughs> let's get a move on. <laughs> Just let out like a little bit of pee pee. I'm kidding. I guess uh, let's not do that. Also let out a little bit of pee pee. <laughs> Good, we all did. Mr. Bashar will uh, will turn back and look over his shoulder because he's been facing ahead this whole time. He didn't even know any of this was happening. Will turn around, see this wall of shadow, realize it's encroaching, and that this is bad and wrong. He's never encountered anything like this, and uh, will put himself between the nuns and the wall of shadow and take aim at it. You're gonna try to shoot the shadow? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We aim our guns at the darkness. You aim your guns at the darkness. Okay. Well, Jules is interposing himself. Jules, make me a conflict roll to shoot the shadow. I would love to. Yeah. Oh, no ones, but no sixes either. So. Oh, okay. So here is what happens. Mm -hmm. I get narrative control over this failure. Mm -hmm. Those four dice that you have left become my dice. Mm -hmm. So you will now be rolling successes against my successes. Excuse me? But this is what happens. What? Uh, (laughs) We all know what she's going to say. Jules turns to shoot at the shadows. Harriet and Agnes, you are behind him. Agnes, you're starting to get your weapon out, but you hear that Jules has stopped firing because the shadows have grabbed his weapons and you see it thrown deep into the darkness from the tunnel whence you came. Jules turns, grabs you both, and you start running as the scene fades to black. So scary, but I was really scared the darkness was going to take the gun and just like... The like darkness was going to shoot you? Is that what you were afraid of? <laughs> the, darkness. the darkness shoot you. Scary. I'm also going to say, as you run, you had been moving so slowly to keep that torchlight up. As you run, your torch goes out. And we blow out one of our candles. Um, So players, if you will go to the truths tab of our online play document, now is a time where we get to world build together. We are going to go around taking turns, myself included, saying truths about this world. It can be truths about them, truths about yourselves. So it could be that you find a companion, that you find a stash of guns. It could be survival things, or you could lean into that this is tragic horror and make them even more terrifying. Um, So the first thing that we say is that these things are true. The world is dark. And Friday, we'll start with you. What is a truth you want to give to this world? In the catacombs, teeth are currency. (laughs) We got cold teeth, I guess. What is a truth? I'm scared of this. The world is dark but the catacombs are unending. I like this. 
Oh, this is tough. I like it, but it's tough. Uh, oh, this is kind of long, uh, but the shadows will not harm us, but what comes after will. You couldn't end at the first part of that sentence, could you? No. <laughs> now it's my turn. So teeth are currency. The catacombs are at an ending. The shadows will not harm us, but what comes after will. I'm going to say she is adapting. Friday. Okay. I like that. I like it because I don't. Um, <laughs> Let's see, another truth. Um, the leftmost tunnel will guide you toward your inevitability. <laughs> all right. Cool. We are all so dedicated to keeping this creepy and also like, how do we, how do we get to the end? Because at this point, no guarantee. <laughs> TK. Uh, these things are true. The world is dark and the ground is made of cookies. Um, I mean, it can be made of cookies. No, I don't want to. I could do anything in this world and I choose cookies. There are worse choices. (laughs) The world is dark. They can also use it be about us or like more specifically about the current circumstance or- Yeah, they can be about anything. The world is dark and dreams become real. (gasps) I can't turn it off (laughs) (laughs) alright well that was all the time all spooky all the time all spooky all the time (laughs) so I'll go with something a little more mundane and just say the world is dark and Harriet cannot find her bible juice the world is dark and terrible they can shapeshift Good. Friday. All right. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna turn this car around for two seconds here. Yeah. It's dark and she can still be saved. Oh finally, man. All right. So we have nine candles still lit. <sighs> Harriet, Agnes, and Jules, you have been running down this tunnel for what feels like forever. The shadows receded as you ran faster and faster. Or maybe it's because you just stopped looking back. You just kept running forward. And then you start to notice things like that like skull that had half sort of fallen over and tilted and in a certain way against another skull you swear you've seen that like two or three times already. It's almost as if these catacombs are unending, that you are running through in, like an infinite loop um, of these bones, but that that would be impossible. I don't know how that could have happened. I keep leading us left. <laughs> did, I think you just answered your own question. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> not an ending. Jules is just leading us in a circle. (laughs) And then you start to hear in the distance echoing back and forth these tunnel walls a voice saying help, 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 help. 
Harriet is going to set her jaw and decidedly not respond to the cries for help. Mm. Uh, yeah, Agnes just, does just... does pull at Harriet's elbow. I think it might take a second pull. Harriet knows why Sister Agnes sister. wants her and doesn't. Oh. Yes, sister. Shouldn't we do something? You're headed in the direction of the cries. If we are able to, we will, but that is not our mission, sister. I think that we should make it a priority. I can hear you. Do, 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 do. <laughs> Well, now it would just be rude if we didn't do something. That would be negligent. What does God say about negligence, sister? But what does God say about those who do not help themselves and we could help so many Truly, if we you find don't, this cure? You don't suppose that Jesus himself, who died upon the cross for all of our sins, would go out of his way just a little to help this one person? Harriet is decidedly stung uh, for actually for several reasons, uh, not just because Sister Agnes is right, but also because sort of invoking <laughs> what now sounds trite, the what would Jesus do, <laughs> uh, sort of brings up some stuff. So again, Harriet sort of reflexively reaches towards her belted rosary and again, she avoids touching it and, and nods and just says, let us see what the situation truly is and make an informed decision. Agnes knows she won, so she won't say anything. Uh, this Jules, is why I like Agnes so much. Yeah. Jules has definitely noted um, this faltering of faith and is, is concerned. He's, he's grown fond of Sister Harriet and considers her to be his charge as they're down there and considers it his job to protect her. And his, his heart goes out to her a little as he sees her, her struggling with her rosary. He's noticed her do it a few times. The voice seems farther than it sounded. And eventually you see around a bend, a soft glow, torchlight, or it actually probably seems really bright to you all having been running in the dark. And as you round the corner, you see again that skull, the other tilted skull leaning against it. But this time there is a torch stuck into a pile of bones, words written in blood on the wall that say, stay in the light, and a crumpled figure curled up next to the torch underneath the words. It looks up, its hand kind of holding its cheek, um, wincing in pain, and through kind of like garbled words, and you see like a little trickle of blood coming out of its mouth, and it said, you came, help. Well, I think Jules would immediately drop his rifle and go to cradle this this figure. Mr. Bashar. Do we still have the rifle? We do not have the rifle. The, the oh, shadows have it. You're right. Well, then Jules. Jules they ganked us. <laughs> Jules only carrying oh. sweet swole biceps and his other guns. You're scooping up this pathetic figure from the ground for protection. And the figure you are cradling is a young man early 20s he's got like a, a rough cloth knapsack with some rope on it some explorer's gear and as he opens his mouth to speak to you you see that several like of his teeth seem to have been pulled out and there's rivulets of blood filling his mouth and pouring out he looks at you pleadingly and he says i thought it was safe 
it said stay in the light and there was a torch here but she took my teeth well now Jules has all manner of red fluids all over his shirt I'm gonna take a take a knee and put this put this small man on my knee and uh and rip off the sleeve of my shirt and use it to dab at his uh, bleeding mouth and, and stroke his hair as I do so. He stabs me and he opens up like the little jacket that he's wearing. You see he's been stabbed oh. with what looks like a large hairpin. There's a white flower on the end of it stained a little bit red with his blood. Oh my God. Well, sister, it seems we've found your pin. I knew you'd return it to me. I'll just yank it out of this guy and hand it back. <laughs> it's just like an anime splurt of blood. Yeah, I just like rip off a little bit more of my shirt and dab it on there. Yeah, uh, Agnes just like swipes it across uh, Jules's shirt, but then doesn't put it in her veil. She just she just uh, pockets it. That'd be so messed up if you just put it in your veil. Wouldn't that be horrible? But (laughs) Agnes is very like steadfast, but not like horrible. (laughs) Well, who's really a good person down here? Let's be honest. Anyway. I mean, Mr. Bashar, if I could speak to you for a moment. Uh You'll be all right. You'll be all right for a moment longer. Don't leave me. Okay. We'll be right here, sir. Okay. Jewel will set set him very gently down and and leave the the rest of his shirt. Just just take it. We'll leave this man the shirt off his back. Fear not, Uh, civilian. I will guard you. Shirtless uh, walk over with with Harriet. Jesus Christ. As Jules and I step. As Jules and I step to the side, uh, I try and catch Sister Agnes's eye and just flick my gaze toward her weapons and then over to the guy and just sort of give her a, a little glance. Yeah, Agnes. Mr. Bashar, it is fortunate that we found this man before he succumbed to his injuries. The only problem now is that we don't know how to get out and again for the podcast during these things since we've already found out that this man can hear us when we talk at very low volumes harriet has been sort of trying to indicate like long incisors he's missing teeth what if he had fangs i don't know how effective it was for mr bashar but anyway mr bashar has been around the block and is uh, no stranger to hand signals in tense situations but <laughs> but has never seen hand signals like what Sister Harriet is doing. A little baffled. Um, she thinks she's being very clear. Yeah, they have a difference of opinion on that one, I'll say. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, eventually, he's, he's pretty sure that she's indicated that there might be creatures with sharp teeth in the caverns somewhere and that they well, should be looking out for- It's not like, wrong. Like large cats. Like the feral Parisian cats. But feral Parisian cats. <laughs> Sorry. 
<laughs> yes. He's had encounters in his youth with these feral Parisian alley cats and is not eager to repeat them and, and worries that they may have become mutated down here in the catacombs. So now Jules is, is on the lookout for um, mutated feral Parisian alley cats. I think any sort of like assent and understanding on Jules, uh, Harriet is so convinced that her hand signals were clear that she assumes that Jules got the message and will be careful. Mm -hmm. As you're having this sidebar, uh, Sister Agnes, you notice that this young man's eyes are opening very wide, looking past you as you keep watch. What do you see? There's so many monsters down here, first a ghost and now. He stops talking though as a shadow, um, almost uh, the sh a shadow of a hand crosses over his throat and you see him struggling to speak, uh, struggling to breathe. Gasp! Yeah, Agnes, Agnes will take like a couple swipes with the short sword towards the shadow. Roll me a conflict roll. Is it four? You roll nine dice and nine. I roll four dice. Oh no, I don't like that. I like it when I was just rolling dice. Uh, all right, I have a one and a single six. Okay, um, so you do succeed, but I got two sixes. So all I have right. narrative control over what happens. You swipe at this hand and it lets go of the man's throat and is open wide. And then you see it sort of reach into his mouth. And in front of you, you just see his teeth starting to fall and tumble out of his mouth. He's trying to talk to you to say something, but the teeth are just tumbling raining are they like out of his mouth. are they popping out like little chiclets or is it gross you could just say it's gross if it both is both are gross well i mean one's like doll teeth and the other one's like okay no it's very realistic and terrible. awesome it's gross okay that's what that's all we need to say agnes will scream <laughs> all right <laughs> agnes screams <laughs> and and harriet and jules what do you do i spring into action Absolutely. Yeah, a, a, a petite nun is screaming a few feet away from me. Uh, Jules will 100% shirtless uh, battle Jules slide into the slide into the space, ready to take on whatever's going on, uh, and would like observe the scene to see where he can be most effective. All right. As you approach the scene, you see that the young man has no teeth in his mouth anymore, just a fountain of blood, like a waterfall down his chin onto his chest. And Jules, as you're the one running forward, he like clings to your legs and is like trying to talk to you, shaking your legs, trying to get you to understand. He's just for what all that you can understand is him just screaming, help, help. You don't see any evidence of where his teeth went, though. They're no longer on the ground. Oh, yeah, honey, you're uh, muted. Oh, I thought it was, uh, I thought it was no, just no, no. me. No, sorry. Uh, Harriet, I think, is going to take this all in and bark out a command for uh, her companions to 
to run, to leave, to go. We can't leave him like this. We have to take him with us. He will not survive. Look at the blood loss already. We must go. Sister, I hate to leave a man behind, but I have to agree. We've got to go. All right, I grab the torch. Great. Oh, you grab the torch. No, um, sorry. Yes, Agnes, yes. <laughs> he is going to, you hear him moaning, like, help, no, don't leave me. It's all I have. Um, and he's just starts saying over and over, stay in the light, stay in the light. The words that are painted on the wall above him. And he's going to try to wrestle you for the torch. Uh, uh, so I need oh, you to make yeah. a conflict. I will say, me. I will say if he tries to wrestle me, I will stab him and just put it out fast. Oh, oh. Okay. I still need a conflict roll, okay, but fine. that'll change what the results are. All right. But also just like, just wear that pin in your habit. Damn. Like, <laughs> Uh, look i i've made mistakes and i think that it's it's okay to accept that sometimes in life we make mistakes sometimes we roll ones sometimes we roll sixes sometimes we roll neither with eight dice wow i um wow I, i think uh can i what about lying, TK? Can I use... What a brutal drinker! It's okay when you do it. Um, what are you trying to do? Because your I... virtue or vice need you to re-roll ones, which you do not have any yeah. of. Yeah, can I uh. use my brink? You need to have used your virtue, vice, and your moment oh, to be able to oh, unlock no. your brink. Oh, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. All right, that's fine. Okay. Can't believe I didn't lie. So I'm going to put those eight dice in my pool. I don't deserve oh, this. Oh, no. <laughs> you just took a dude's pool. Torch and you were ready to stab him for it. Yes! I'm not going to let him get killed by shadows in the dark down here. If we're going to leave him to die, he might as well be dead when we leave him. Haven't you ever heard of an angel of mercy? Grab the torch, (laughs) Sister Agnes. And this young man pleads to you through his bleeding mouth, gurgling breath to leave him what little he has and to not leave him at all, to be frank. He lunges for the torch and you go for your blade and you stab through him and his body starts to go limp almost immediately. And then those shadows that were waiting with all those teeth just out of reach of the torchlight, rush forward. You see them sort of meld with this guy's body. Like they go like in to his form. And as you all rush away with the torch, you see his body following after you, almost puppet-like, like something trying to run after you the way it thinks running ought to look Um, and the scene fades to black candle goes out I know this feels like my fault but (laughs) is it 
We have some more truths to say about this I'm world. I'm upset. Uh, this is all TK's fault. <laughs> These things are true. I never did. I I I never disrespected you. <laughs> all three of you have always been amazing. my favorites. <laughs> so good. I don't deserve this. It's too spooky. <laughs> These things are true. The world is dark. And TK, how about you start us off? Yeah, you start us off. <laughs> the world is dark and nothing is Agnes's fault. <laughs> the world is dark and Agnes is trying her best. Okay, so these are true. These things are true. The world is dark and you cannot help them. Not help them. Yehenio, the world is dark. world is dark. You cannot help them. And the truth is always hidden. The world is dark and and they are watching. <clears throat> Friday, the world is dark. And Jules has misplaced his pliers. Ugh. The world is dark, but our resolve is stronger. Mm. The world is dark. And weapons wait to be found by the worthy. All right. The world is dark and a secret doorway breaks the loop. Friday. The world is dark and treasure is close at hand. All right. So we're going to try to fit in at least one more scene here. Let's see if we can do this, y'all. The world is dark, but you have a bit of stolen light from the man in the tunnel. Uh, You are running and running, but you know that if you keep going, you are going to loop back to that skull on skull landmark where that young man was. You don't want to know. You don't want to know if there's a loop. You don't want that confirmed. So you pause. Uh, And Harriet, your astute eyes find a seam in the stone wall. What do you do? You're muted. Three times you're trying to make me look fair. At this point, we are motoring. So I think Harriet goes straight for the seam, assuming that her companions will figure out what's happening and just begins to sort of pull at it, follow it. If it, if it slides, she'll do that, but otherwise she'll just follow it and begin to sort of get the lay of if it's a doorway, if it's, you know, whatever it is. Yes, as you kind of continue fiddling with the wall, you feel it budge as your hands reach a particular hold and you kind of pull and push sideways on it. And just for funsies, roll me a uh, conflict check to see how strong you are. How many do I I get? Eight now? You get eight and I have 12. Well, that's a lot though. It is, (laughs) It's, it's so many. It's a whole lot. Okay. Okay. Well, I had two ones. Um, Although at this point, I actually want to roll one so that Lisa can't have such a big pool at the end of this candle. Yep. Um, (laughs) And I have a single six. Oh, shit. No, I rolled three ones. I found another one. Okay. So you do succeed, but I have narrative control. So you're able to 
pull and push open the door and the three of you, you see the edge of your torchlight, that wall of shadow approaching again. And the three of you pile into this room. And as soon as you do, the wall shifts back in place. There is no going back. But Jules, there were maybe some unexpected things that happened along the way that were not your favorite. But this room is everything you were promised this journey would be. The torchlight glimmers against gold. Uh, there are uh, some like golden candelabras and just piles of jewels and coin and a large treasure chest or some sort. Yeah, you imagine there's treasure in it. What else could be in there uh, in the center of the room? Jewels for jewels is what you're saying to me. Yes. Yes. Fantastic. Well, it's a good thing I still have at least my gun belt with a pouch on it. I don't have a shirt with pockets and my pants are way too tight to put any treasure into, but I am going to start to, uh, I got to get my hands on this gold because there's a girl waiting for me back home and I got to make her my wife. So Jules will approach the nearest pile of glittering gold and jewels and begin to just fill up his pouch and try to shove it into his pants pocket. Maybe some like down the boots a little bit. He's trying to find any place. He's regretting not wearing looser pants, but also it would have been hard to pull off that power slide as effectively earlier. So it so, yeah. do how do Harriet and Agnes feel about this? Jules just going into treasure hunter mode. Agnes is struggling. Like she just had to murder a civilian to take the torch and then watched his body get possessed by like demon shadows. So Agnes, attention 100% not on Jules. Just like, just standing there holding the torch and like standing like stock still. And the longer she stands there, the more the torch like shakes in her hand. Mm-hmm. What about Harriet? I think at this point, Harriet is so, with every obstacle we overcome, we are closer to helping Edwina. And so I, I, in any other situation, you know, she would reprimand Jules and, and comfort Sister Agnes, but I don't think any of that happens now. I think it is, she is aware that Jules is treasure looting and doesn't care because she has to go. So Harriet still has her eye on the prize, so to speak. She just has a different sort of prize. So I'm going to say she notices two things in this room. Mm. One, in addition to these many treasures, many glittering treasures, are a pile of scrolls with all sorts of different maps and information on them. Harriet also notices the door having closed behind you, there is a chandelier of bone above you and it is linked not just to the ceiling but there seems to be sort of like a vertical tunnel from which the chandelier is hanging you don't know how high that tunnel goes but jules as you're grabbing all the heckin treasure make me a conflict roll yeah Yeah. i would love to and i'm at what eight now seven seven i think right oh we got a do we get a new candle you started at eight. Oh, wait. You and started I rolled at three eight. ones. Oh, so, so I think actually we're at five, you're at five now. Five. Yeah. yeah. 
love that. Yeah, <laughs> You're welcome. So happy. Oh, two, six, no, one. Uh, yes, Jules. All right. I did get four sixes in my pool. So Jules is stuffing all of these like treasures wherever he could possibly fit them, putting necklaces over his head. You are weighted down by gold. You are gorgeous. And glittering on his swarthy skin. Like, oh yeah, beautiful. So you don't notice it when crawling from underneath the door whence you all came skeletal hands their thumb bones linked together and sort of the outline of shadow around them forming sort of hand spiders Mm -hmm. creeping underneath the door you don't notice until sister agnes They start to scuttle past your feet. Harriet, you feel them brush against your robes and you see them approach Jules. One of them is already on his back. Agnes doesn't say anything, but does gasp like audibly. When she starts to like reach for her short sword again, she hesitates. I think Harriet doesn't hesitate barks out a Mr. Bashar and goes to take her, well, the torches have gone out again, right? Or or they're out. I don't know about again, but. Sister Agnes still has a torch that she okay. stole from the young man. Right, 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 right. No, I don't want to use that. That one feels important. Uh, so I'll just, I'll take, I guess I'll just grab and try and pull the one that's on Jewel. I'll race over and try and grab the one off of Jules's back that's there. All right, roll me a conflict roll. Yeah, it's I going know. to try to cling to the many beautiful golden necklaces Jules is wearing. Okay, I do have a six, and I have a single one as well. All right, the rest so we're gonna go down fives. to four. It's very nice. So you do grab it, and you grab the hands, and you are successfully holding two skeletal hands that are just limp in yours. You see that bit of shadow still in the same form, clinging to Jules um, and starting to crawl up the side of his neck towards his ear. I mean, I will, I will point and bark his name again, but at this point, what? Jules. You are so enamored by all of this gold. <gasps> Do you want to narrate from this moment, Friday? What happens to Jules? Yes. <laughs> Would you like to co-narrate? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Excellent. So Jules, you are so enamored by these, you don't hear Harriet shouting for you. But you do feel a slight pinch as Harriet sees the shadow slip into your ear and you feel as if something has taken over your body. Excellent. We'll kind of swat a bit at the ear, very still focused on my my treasure here, but my limbs are only barely within my control and I feel... I feel separate 
from my body in a way like like I'm having an out of body experience or like I'm very small but I can't quite connect and uh I can't feel my feet I can't control my tongue and bit by bit my limbs seem to simultaneously go limp and move of their own volition and uh I'm screaming inside my own mind but I can't make my mouth move you, Harriet, and Agnes see more of these spider hand creatures crawling from under the door. And as soon as they come in and sort of see Jules' like body contorting, you see the skeletal hands just drop and the shadows rush towards Jules, almost as if like sort of to a magnet. They kind of glom onto him and surround him. And the door slides open just enough for Jules' gun, held aloft by shadows, snap across the room into his arms again. Agnes is like frantically waving the torch, trying to get these shadows with it. Excellent. Only a conflict uh, roll. Okay. <laughs> How many do I have now? Four. Four? I thought I had some guns. Nope. <laughs> nope. Friends, right? What do you get, TK? Uh, two threes and two fours. Oh, be nice to me. I know. I don't think you're the games. one who has to worry right now. Friday, what please don't shoot Jules. Me. Jules can see and feel everything happening to his body, but can't control it and can't make himself known as himself anymore. He feels his teeth loosen in his head as his limbs operate for him and point the gun in the direction of Sister Agnes. Harriet will, will at that point, for reasons that we don't have to talk about, try to tackle Jules. Cause she may not be the swords person that Sister Agnes is, but she has some combat training as we have seen. But uh, but also we just failed a roll, so maybe I shouldn't say anything. <laughs> I just so, forgot about that, sorry. Candle, uh, so as the scene ends, you see Jules point his gun towards Agnes. And then through that crack in the door, you see a figure in white rush through and like in your mind ha and having encountered what you've encountered you're like not ghosts not ghosts on top of everything else but this figure pushes past Harriet lunging toward Jules grabs Jules gun and as he fires she points the gun at that exact moment back towards him his body falls. Shadows are scattered in Sister Agnes's shaking torchlight. And the figure says, we need to climb and jumps towards the chandelier. And that is where we're going to end for today. Thank you to Cantrip Candles, Friday Afternoon Tea, and Roll20 for helping to make Requiem for a Cluet possible. Thank you, Rudy Basso, for editing. 
and thank you listeners who also contributed. If you'd like to support productions like these and spill all our secrets with an exclusive episode of our Session Zero, head to patreon.com slash beholdher. See you next week for the end of everything.